Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, January 25th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Managing Editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writer Y Trend Bowie. Hey, everyone. Okay, let's start with the story that is hot today, and that is that HBO Max is developing a Harry Potter TV series. HD, what do we know? Yes, so The Hollywood Reporter broke the news that HBO Max is in the very early process of developing a live-action Harry Potter TV series for the streamer, uh, with Warner Media executives having multiple conversations with potential writers exploring various ideas. Uh, this is still very, very early in development. No actual project has been confirmed yet, and uh, we don't know what whether the series would be a straightforward adaptation of the uh, original seven novels by J.K. Rowling or whether it would be a spinoff exploring yet another corner of the wizarding world. No writers or talent are yet attached either. So it's all, yeah, very early process. So it could go in any direction. Hmm. Uh, I guess my first thought on this, well, this seems obvious, right? Like when HBO, uh, when Warner Brothers announced that they were doing a streaming service, I think I even said on this on this programming, uh, on this uh, programming, on this podcast, <laughs> that they should do a Harry Potter TV series. Or I had, I think I had even heard rumors that they were developing a Harry Potter adaptation of the books for it. Um, so it seems like an obvious idea. Like, you know, let's exploit the wizarding world to get more subscribers. Uh, I guess my first question to you guys is like, should, should J.K. Rowling be involved? And that question is loaded. I, I understand that because there's a lot of people that do not like her because of, you know, the events of the past few years and what she said publicly. Um, I'm not sure. Should we should we address it on that level, Jacob? What, what do you think? Because like, I, I, was, I was thinking of just on a pure creative level and not a personal level, but I guess that bleeds into it. Um, I think we should just say up front, if you're not aware of it, J.K. Rowling has made numerous transphobic comments and has doubled down on them, uh, has written blog posts and articles doubling down on it, tripling, quadrupling yeah. down on it. And if you find this morally offensive in the way that everyone on this show does, 
then yes, it should be brought up. It should at least be mentioned here before we move on to the creative issue, which is its own thing. Yes, I'll, I'll just speak for everyone here. When oh I no, say, no, no! I think it should definitely be yeah. brought up. But like, I, I was just saying, could, could we approach this from just a creative issue and not like a? I d- I really don't like her. <laughs> we, we, I, we think we should dwell longer on the creative stuff. We okay. Think okay. Things to say, but I, I'll just say for everybody here right now. Uh, yes. As creative as she is, as genius a writer as she is, she's also an absolute trash person uh, who is tarnishing her legacy every single day. With that said, Peter, uh, why is she also a bad choice creatively? I mean, why put it up to me? I, I don't know. I well, I think she is great at creating worlds. Like the the Wizarding World is amazing, and I think she's good at creating characters. I don't think her. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna get some crap here. Uh, for saying this, but I don't think the books are the most well-written things in the world, like the the mysteries and stuff. Like I don't know, it's just uh, it's good. Don't get me wrong. I I've read all of them. I enjoy them. You know, I I, I love the Harry Potter movies. Um, but I am very thankful that um she did not write the screenplays for the Harry Potter movies, and we had uh, other people turning those stories into uh movies for the big screen because as we saw with the fantastic beast movies uh she's she's just not a good writer for the screen yeah her being a trash person aside it's (laughs) very very clear that she built an amazing sandbox other writers can improve at least for the screen the fantastic beast screenplays are bad screenplays They're, they're an example of somebody with a lot of power a lot of creative control and personal stake in this world having the ability to shrug off notes or say no to a major studio and major studio kowtowing to that uh fantastic beast and its sequel are miserable movies for a lot of reasons but it comes down to those scripts which are not paced built structured or anything like a movie should be uh ht you have strong thoughts on all of this i'm assuming oh yeah and i agree with all of you with everything you said jacob because i think that on a personal level jk rowling has essentially torpedoed any lingering goodwill that she's had for both her as a person and for her franchise even people who are long longtime fans of harry potter like myself um have started to feel even some sort of fatigue for this franchise and the way that she's just run it into the ground not only through her own um personal statements, her own reprehensible thoughts on transgender people, but on the but the way that she has tried to stretch out her cash stretch out her cash cow. Well, you know what I mean. Um <laughs> the actual like term that works. Stretch out her cash cow for as long as possible with the Fantastic Beast movies, which feel like little more than cash grabs um at at best. Uh and just a, a complete um slavish sort of uh, dedication to building of lore and everything rather than actual character, which is what drew people to Harry Potter and that series in the first place. Um, so it's, uh, it's I, I can't find myself excited for the series because of all the, the past sins, uh, both on a personal and creative level by Rowling and the, and the people behind the, the, ex, like, the extended Wizarding World, like Fantastic Beasts. Um, and the cursed child play, which I did enjoy seeing on stage, but is a really horrible story in play yeah. in general. Well, I I, I do want to like say that like you know I, I I think a lot of the charm of the Harry Potter movies is that world, like the whimsical, magical world that us Muggles are not a part of. Um, Brad, like, should they make a TV series without her input whatsoever? 
I mean, it's kind of hard to do without her input whatsoever. I, I feel like the best option is just to have her be a consultant and a guide for just the world and the rules within it and let somebody else tackle the the scripts because like you know like you know jake manichi just said those fantastic beat scripts are are really bad and like it probably would have benefited from her writing her stories as books before they were turned into movies but i'm willing to bet warner brothers probably didn't want to wait for her to complete books <laughs> uh before they were able to make the movies because they wanted to strike while the iron was hot and keep the franchise going after uh deathly hallows part two came out so i mean whether or not they should uh, i think it just all depends on what the story is. And I definitely don't want JK Rowling writing the scripts. Um, I, it's, it's tough to say whether she sh- absolutely should be involved based on the, the bad will that now is uh, tainting the franchise and has turned fans away from, from Harry Potter because of the things that she has said and kind of going against what, you know, Harry Potter has come to, to mean for so many people. So yeah, it's, uh, it's tough when you have the creator of such a big, you know, spanning world like this yeah. turn into such a crap person. Now, uh, you know, I, I came up with the idea that we could all pitch ideas for this TV series because Warner Brothers is obviously listening to this podcast. They listen to all Slash Film Dailies. Uh, you know, they, um, they 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 subscribe. So obviously they're they're out there listening. We we this is our time. This is our elevator pitch time to actually pitch a Harry Potter TV series. Uh, Brad, what what would you pitch? Uh, I took the easy way. This is something that has been talked about for for a while as a way to continue the franchise, whether it's in a movie series or um, even a a new book series or whatever. And it's simply just going back to the original Order of the Phoenix and the initial fight with Voldemort and the Death Eaters when they were at the height of their power. Um, You have a great cast of characters you're already familiar with. uh, James and Lily Lily Potter, Sirius Black, Remus Lupin, Severus Snape. Uh, the long bottoms, you know, all, all the, the parents of the, you know, the kids that we knew in the Harry Potter books, uh, they're young, they're fighting against, you know, all of these uh, dark wizards. And then I think that even to add along the, um, the sort of teen drama and stories that you, we, we liked from the original Harry Potter franchise, you can employ flashbacks to help flesh out those relationships and show why there's uh, tension between certain characters, have things that, you know, happened during their Hogwarts years come back, you know, for character drama and dynamic shifts as they're adults uh, during this very tense time. So I think that you can have the best of both worlds um, that we had from the original Harry Potter franchise by just going back to the original Order of the Phoenix. See, like the reason that that could be a good movie. Like the the reason why I think I'm hesitant about that is I want to, you know, I want to be in the wizarding world. I want to be at Hogwarts. I want, I want it to be like, Harry Potter. I don't want it to be, you know, that's where the flashbacks come into play, Peter. Yeah, yeah I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think probably the most obvious plan for them to do is to adapt something off of the cursed child. But as HD says, that is like, it reads like bad fan fiction, but that said, it's far more entertaining than anything in the fantastic beast movie. So, but th- that would allow you to have like the adult, character you might even be able to bring back like the original actors to play their adult selves and watch you know the children uh you know it would be like a legacy equal in a way i guess um what they should have done for the fantastic beasts property (laughs) is instead of making it uh, a movie supposedly based off fantastic beasts and then turning it basically into a prequel to grindelwald's war 
they should have just made Fantastic Beasts as a series, which is really lighthearted, and you get to see all these fun creatures every episode instead of trying to turn it into a big war movie like they did with the with the movies. Yeah. I don't know why they even adapted that book. That book has nothing in it. Like, it has no... I don't know. It's a textbook. Yeah, it's so weird. Okay, um, <laughs> HD, what would you do? So Brad took the easy answer, and um, so I, had, I ended up just having a sort of more facetious answer. You guys probably remember from way back when, when I was talking about playing the um, iPhone app game, Hog- Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> I'm still playing it two plus years later. I'm in year six right now. I still wow. am getting no closer to finding my long lost brother. His also name is Jacob, by the way. Um, <laughs> so my answer is do a Hogwarts mystery series, I guess, set in the 80s. You see a, a couple of familiar uh, characters. Um, so it takes place a little bit after the Marauders and the Order of the Phoenix uh, were at school. But you get to see some characters like uh, Tonks at school or young Charlie and Bill Weasley. Charlie, by the way, is totally like hitting on me in the in the game, <laughs> but I haven't been able to date him. It's fine. <laughs> so that's so, my so, answer. So you you have just gone into the room with the Warner Brothers executives and pitched them a movie starring you. Yes, me specifically. <laughs> that is funny. Um, you know what? I, I don't know. I, I really think that the Hogwarts, like being at school at Hogwarts, like lends itself to like a TV series in such a good way. And I, I, I want to pitch the boring one, which is I want them to readapt the the original source material, the books, into uh, season long movies or limited series, if that makes sense. So like have book one be season one book two be season two there's a lot of stuff that was in those books that were did not make the big screen and there's a lot of good stuff and i think there's a lot of material there that could be expanded upon and getting to see the day-to-day uh you know activities of these kids in hogwarts and getting to explore more of like the um (laughs) you know uh are the evil kid like is Draco really so evil? You know, like get, getting to, into the more of the melodrama of it, I guess. Um, I think I'd like that, and I would love to see Alfonso Curon direct the pilot and be the executive producer for the for the series because I I think his Harry Potter film is the best of the series, and I think uh, while I wouldn't want to see them be slavish to those films because you know those early films like the Christopher Columbus films were not great. Uh, I think he knows how to capture perfectly the the magical whimsical wonder of hogwarts but also you know the 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 kid drama and everything and i think that would uh he'd be the perfect guy for this but um jacob what do you think oh uh provided that jk rowling's not involved at all uh my pitch to hbo max would be a series set in the days weeks and years after the events of book seven slash movie eight where the Ministry of Magic has to rebuild itself, has to re- rebuild its government after being taken over by uh, wizard Nazis and wizard white supremacists, because even after a moment of violence and a new change in leadership, they're not all gone. You're still going to find people in places of power in the government uh, and in the population who support the old regime, who support the um, monstrous actions of someone who's been dethroned uh, from a position of uh, authority. So if this sounds familiar, yes, it's, it's supposed to. Uh, but I would love to see a 
a something in the vein of the Raid Two, the Gareth Evans uh, movie, where the first half is just entirely, um, uh, it's just entirely like political intrigue and like backstabbing and investigation and like people watching over their backs, and the back half is entirely people just killing the crap out of each other, both wizard fights. Uh, So that's what I want. I want Gareth Evans to make a a a Tinker Tailor Soldier spy esque um, government intrigue story that explodes into all kinds of like wizarding duels and back alleys and like hits and assassinations and twists uh, and I'm not, I'm not even joking you guys laugh I would watch this hardcore every week if they made oh it. I would watch that Jacob I just don't know any studio that would greenlight such a thing for children um and the other thing that occurs to me you're like trying to like make like the uh you're making you're making a Harry Potter series that's like basically like the Star Wars prequels. It's trying to explain the politics of it all. Well, the politics are explained pretty thoroughly in the books. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, J.K. Rowling, uh, baffling that she has the views she does because ultimately those books are very anti-white supremacy, anti-fascism, and the time is here for us to make a show about a government trying to clean up its own mess and root out the problems that were installed by a, by somebody who's who previously calling the shots. All I can think about right now is how cool it would be to see the raid style martial arts fights mixed with like magic wand dueling. Uh, exactly. Like, exactly. All these acrobatics. Yeah. Wizards was... in their robes just flying and twirling around. Let's do yeah. something new. Let's Breaking just do... bones. I, I know we, uh, something comforting about the familiar about returning to Hogwarts, but I say nope. Let's just let's let's put school behind us. Let's get into the nitty gritty of of this world, uh, but not in a Fantastic Beast way where they drop the ball in the hands of somebody who knows what the hell they're doing when it comes to making actual movies. You know that's something that's interesting. I'm currently reading the uh the first book from Star Wars the High Republic. It's called Light of the Jedi, and I'm enjoying it and um I'm putting that uh put up front. Um for years I've said, I want to see different stories in the star Wars galaxy that, you know, don't have like weird, you know, just randomly inserted cameos with like C3PO and Yoda coming in and all these like, you know, like connections. I want to see you know, not with the skies, Skywalkers. I want to see like this own thing in this own corner of the galaxy. And I want to explore that. And I think I'm about halfway through this book and I I am enjoying, while I am enjoying it, I think weirdly, I feel like it feels like it's too much in its own corner of the galaxy, and it, I'm kind of missing that there's no connections to hey, anything uh, else. Well, Yoda's going to be in at least one of the yeah. stories, so you'll you'll love that. <laughs> I, hey, I, that's not what I'm saying. I want, <laughs> but it just feels so disconnected. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I don't know. I feel like if you do that, it has to be set at Hogwarts, or there has to be something. Do you know what I mean? It has to be. It can't just be. In you can't just have a TV series in the Wizarding World that has nothing to do with any of the Harry Potter stuff we've seen thus far. But I guess yeah, you're not saying that. You're saying Ministry of Magic. I don't know. I don't no, know. The, the seventh book says that Kingsley Shacklebolt, a supporting character, becomes the Ministry of Magic. So I want to see him put together a team saying, hey, you're a bunch of spies. Go infiltrate all the various divisions of the Ministry. Find out who's loyal to Voldemort and his cause. And bring them to justice. That's what I want. Oh, wait. Direct connection. Direct connection. Uh, what about what about like a twenty four style show in in the Ministry of Magic where the R's the Aurors are like uh, CTU and there's all this like backstabbing and all that kind of that that's what we what we need. Oh yeah, I think you're on the same page here, Brad. An intense political thriller full of action uh, set in a time period okay. where like you think you think their final battle get rid of get kill all the bad wizards get rid of them all no a bunch of them ran ran away where'd they go. 
who brings in the justice? That's my pitch. Yeah, there you go. Okay, I'm sold. Finally. <laughs> we should make that one. So uh Warner Brothers, if you're listening, let's 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 hire uh who did you want? Gareth Evans. Yeah, let's get him. I mean he just he, didn't he just do that um the AMC series. Um yeah. his name I can't recall, but it's probably pretty fun. Things <laughs> of London? Yeah. That's it, yes. yeah. Yeah, it's so generic of a name. Okay, uh, we have a bunch of other stuff to talk about today. Uh, let's talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife. There was a thing that hit last week. Uh, a new character was revealed, and the way that you always want a character from a new, you know, popular movie sequel to be revealed uh, on some cooking show. Uh, HD, tell us about it. Well, there's not much to tell. Our new ghost in Ghostbusters Afterlife is named Muncher, and he looks very sad and likes he like he wants to end his life, but he will. <laughs> You know, he's he's living a long ghost life uh, as both a character, the new monster in Ghostbusters Afterlife, but also as a meme because uh, we didn't expect him to take off so much. But it's because of his resemblance to Slimer meets a centigrade that uh, uh, meets a, some sort of blue blob-like thing that he has really taken off as the uh, fan favorite for Ghostbusters. So he's yeah, a blue so- blob-like uh, monster with six limbs and, uh, again, an uncanny resemblance to, Sli- to Slimer from 1984's Ghostbusters. And apparently there's a toy out there that features both Slimer and Muncher. Brad, did you see this? <laughs> I did, and it's a very unfortunate illustration because without getting too vulgar, it shows Muncher munching on what appears to be a certain part of Slimer <laughs> that is very upsetting. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, like there, there are several toy forms out there. Apparently he's included with the... Um, the new Ecto-1 Transformers uh, crossover where the Ecto-1 turns into um, a Transformer and it, it's the rusty version that we see in Ghostbusters Afterlife. So, yeah, but this this look that we got, though, has been the most detailed and close-up look. And, like, it's, it, his face has been compared to everybody from Steve Bannon to Marlon Brando. And, yeah, it was uh, it was quite the viral sensation. <laughs> Yeah, I, it was it was weird because when this popped up, I think we were debating internally and if this was worth a story. And I think I chimed in. I was like, yeah, this is definitely worth the story. And then, like, we posted it and I did not expect, you know, I thought people would be interested, but it ended up being like trending. It was like the 15 on like trending worldwide on Twitter was Muncher because of our tweet. I forget. I, I don't know how many people were actually like retweeting and stuff, but it was it was it was a lot. It was thousands and thousands of people. So Muncher was taking over, and they also have like a Twinkie coming out. Yeah, there's already a t- a, t- a Twinkie tie-in for Muncher called the new Ghostbuster Muncher Madness Twinkies, uh, which consists of the golden sponge cake with a blue fruit-flavored creamy filling. I can't wait for the water cooler for Brad to tell us how good or bad that is in the future. Oh, absolutely! Absolutely, I will be there. <laughs> uh speaking of ghostbusters i know brad you are a huge ghostbusters fan uh it's it's your favorite movie of all time i mean it's i i have like a, a top five that's pretty unflinching and ghostbusters is among the top five so it's, it's definitely one of my all-time favorites yeah and this new one ghostbusters afterlife they've tried to get back as many of the original cast members as possible uh rick moranis who notoriously doesn't uh appear in a lot of these things uh gave a quote like i think like a year ago saying he said no but Maybe he's in this after all. Yeah. So not, not only did, uh, did Rick Moranis like at some points indicate that he wouldn't be in it, but Bill Murray even mentioned that 
uh, both Harold Ramis, uh, who passed away, and Rick Moranis were greatly missed during production. He mentioned this on an episode of uh, The Ellen DeGeneres Show, which told us essentially that Rick Moranis probably wouldn't be in the movie with uh, many of the other original cast members who are appearing in Ghostbusters Afterlife. But uh, Ernie Hudson was recently interviewed and asked specifically about Rick Moranis' potential involvement, and his answer was cagey, but also somewhat seemingly hinting at something involving Rick Moranis, because when he was asked about this, he said, quote, I think the studios probably want to hold that one. I love Rick, but yeah, I'll, I'll let them share that. So share what? <laughs> we- yeah, how can you share? Like share that he's not in it, or maybe he is in it in some capacity? Yeah, you know, it's tough to say with, you know, with Ernie Hudson, because some, like, just sometimes the things he says, like, it seems like he, maybe he's in the know, and then other times it's like, there's no way he knows something like that. And so, like, what I'm wondering here is if maybe there's some kind of tribute to Rick Moranis's character, or maybe they mention that his character has passed away or something like that. Um, there's also the possibility that maybe they did end up convincing him to shoot some kind of quick cameo after principal photography was done. Um, they've had a lot of time since the movie wrapped, you know, the Ghostbusters Afterlife was supposed to come out, uh, in June last year and it's been pushed since then because of the coronavirus pandemic. So maybe they were able to convince him because if Ryan Reynolds was able to convince him to do a cell phone commercial, then you would think that maybe he'd be interested in (laughs) doing something, you know, that's connected to the legacy of the original Ghostbusters. But, you know, we'll just have to wait and see, uh, you know, the movie doesn't come out until November now. And, uh, you know, it would be great if they figured out a way to, to get Rick Moranis back, uh, in, in Ghostbusters somehow. Yeah. Wasn't this like original quote, like something like, uh, who wants to go back and do the same thing that they did 20 years ago or, or 30 years ago or something like that? I think that it, specific quote actually might have been when they asked him to do a cameo in uh, Ghostbusters Answer the Call. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking like, oh, maybe he just wasn't asked to do a cell phone commercial with Ryan Reynolds 20 years ago. <laughs> but um, what are the chances, Brad? I know you brought this up in our, our internal Slack what are the chances that Rick Moranis is actually Muncher? <laughs> oh my gosh! Hopefully not good, <laughs> because if if Rick Moranis now looks like Muncher, <laughs> then I'd I'd hate to think what happened to him before he died. <laughs> well, yeah, I, well, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's move on. Let's let's talk about uh, <laughs> let's talk about Invincible. This is a TV series coming to Amazon Prime, and it's based on a comic book. And I, this clip came out last week and jacob i know you're a fan of this series so do you want to talk about it yeah i mean I, i've never read all of it it had a very healthy 100 issue run which is huge for a creator owned comic i read you know a, a decent chunk of it enough to, enough to be excited for the tv series this is a uh amazon adaptation of the robert kirkman uh comic robert kirkman of course is more famous for creating the walking dead this is his second comic that he wrote uh, alongside walking dead for a long time it's about a uh, son of a superhero uh uh, named Mark, played by Stephen Yoon in the series. His father is like a Superman-esque figure, played by J.K. Simmons. And when the series starts, it's about him coming of age, learning, you know, hey, I, I can I, I can fly, I have super strength. How do I become a teenage superhero? And it starts off being this very light, very fun action comic. And by the end of its first major story arc, uh, reveals a bombshell that shifts the entire tone and trajectory of the series, which I imagine will be the season finale, so I won't speak too much here. But uh, Amazon released a uh, release date, March 26th, for the series, and released a 
a nice two-minute clip that features uh, Mark and his father, you know, Stephen Yoon and J.K. Simmons, having a conversation while playing baseball, while flying through the sky, by throwing the baseball literally around the curvature of the earth and catching it as it comes back around. And it's very, it's a very charming clip. It's very indica- indicative of the tone of the comic. And I like how this sh- show looks a lot. I like how it, it's tr- it's tr- hand drawn looking two D animation. It looks like a Batman the Animated Series or the Just League show from the nineties. If they sort of updated that animation style for twenty twenty one, instead of going CGI or trying to go hyper detailed, it has a very simple, clean, colorful, bright style that makes it feel like just the modern take on that sort of classic animation style that we all grew up loving the fact that the show is incredibly r-rated and very violent uh should, should uh, contrast nicely with that but yeah i'm pretty excited for this show uh and see how they adapt material yeah it looks so strange for a i don't know i i've never read the comics and, I, and now i'm interested in checking this out um Normally, I'd go to Brad and HT to see what they think, but we, we have more to talk about, and we're, we're running low on time. So let's get to our final topic, and that is the trailer for Godzilla vs. Kong. This hit over the weekend. This is, of course, the you know, sequel, the crossover film that we've Warner Brothers has been building up to all these years, and uh, the trailer hit over the weekend. Uh, Brad, what, what is your brief reaction do this no spoilers uh, i mean you know none of uh, our speculation i should say this uh trailer really got me psyched to see this movie and it made me bummed that it's coming out in march when it still probably won't be a good idea to go to theaters i feel like i will be tempted to maybe get a few friends together and rent out a theater for it though because this just looks like the perfect like big screen blockbuster event movie it has the the vibe of like uh, a 90s sci-fi action movie, um, a little bit of Independence Day in there. And I just, I, I love this trailer so much. There there are like two or three holy shit moments where things happen or I was just like giddy with anticipation to see uh, th- this fight between, you know, these two Titans play out. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm totally pumped for this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this looks great. I love the imagery with the, the little kid and Kong. I... I guess something that worries me is like seeing those two monsters go at it in the middle of the ocean is kind of cool, but it's kind of like reminds me a little bit of like Pacific Rim. And it's like I always worry when we see like big monster battles that when you don't have them in a city or next to people that it's very hard to uh it just becomes like the cgi fest of sorts and i know that there's these like two like what are the aircraft carriers or something yeah. there but like you know you know those are going to be cg there was this one great shot from like ground level which I, I feel like we need more of that in these kind of movies um what i'm excited about for is later in the trailer the show like neon tokyo i can't wait to see like a battle in neon tokyo between these two monsters that every time a person appears on screen, I kind of worry because I loved, uh, you know, I love Skull Island. I love, uh, I liked uh, Godzilla, but that last movie, uh, what was the name of the last movie? I'm, it's that King kind of, of the Monsters. Monsters. King of the Monsters was just so bad. How is it so not bad, even, Peter? How is it, how is that movie, a movie that should, at the very least, meet minimum expectations for monster mashing. How was it that bad? I still can't get over it years later. And it had a great cast, too. I don't know. Uh, uh, Jacob, what do you think of this trailer? It's a good trailer. There's good moments. I, I, Kong and Godzilla fighting each other looks really neat. And I'll go, 
I'll go into details as we go into the trailer breakdown section, but all I'll say is that the trailers for King of the Monsters were some of the best cut trailers I have ever seen in my entire damn life. And that movie was not <laughs> indicative of those trailers. So yeah. I'm holding my expectations. I'm very glad I get to watch this in HBO Max instead of going to a theater and feel like a schmuck afterward. I'm going to feel bad watching this on a small screen, even in my house, which I have a projector and it's a big screen. Like, I feel like this kind of movie should be on the big screen, even if it's going to be bad. Like, I would have felt bad watching King of the Monsters on a small screen. Maybe I wouldn't have felt bad after, but I would have felt bad while I was watching it, which I guess I already did feel bad while I was watching it. Anyways, uh, HD, what did you think of this trailer? It was a good trailer, but I also echo Jacob's sentiments in that God of uh, King of the Monsters was such a good trailer and even had really striking images that showed up in the movie too and it was a bafflingly bad movie <laughs> so i'm uh you know reserving my judgment until the movie actually comes out but i myself am a little bit uh, hit or miss on kaiju movies i don't really love them but i will say that it's hard to top shin godzilla which was the uh, japanese godzilla movie that came out a couple years ago directed by hideki anno and it was so good that i feel like any American attempt at it will just pale in comparison, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. HT's <laughs> correct. Shin Godzilla is a f- pretty much a masterpiece and it makes you realize that maybe only Japanese people should be making Godzilla movies. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the trailer breakdown that's on slashfilm.com. I'll link it in the show notes. It's uh, from Evan, is he can't be here with us. Um, I want to say before we get into this that this could have some speculation. That could turn out to be spoilers for this movie. I'm I'm guessing they're just holding back on this first trailer and that the the things that we're going to talk about are stuff that's going to be revealed in the marketing before this you know comes out. But I com- could be completely wrong there. So you have been warned. So if you don't want to hear, you know, speculation about <laughs> uh, Godzilla versus Kong, uh, tune out now. There's nothing no more of the podcast after that. So, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll see you on the next one. But uh, Jacob, what kind of secrets are hiding in the background of this trailer? Yeah, Evan Safoff wrote this for us. He's a big uh, Godzilla versus Kong fan. And this article can get him because he literally emailed me a few days ago saying, may I please write an entire suite of articles for this movie when it's ready to come out. I said, we'll talk about that in March. In the meantime, do you want to watch the trailer? Uh, yeah. Which he did. And... He, there are a number of little things that you, you probably saw when you watch it, but there are two big things that I think are worth noting. Uh, one is if you're a kind of person who likes to counter monster fights, there seem to be at least three separate Kong versus Godzilla battles in this movie. There is Kong versus Godzilla on the aircraft carrier, where Godzilla clearly has the edge. He's an aquatic creature. There is... and that, that, that's clearly like in the first like 20, 30 minutes of the movie, right? I, yeah, I, I think so. At least the first half. Yeah, And the second one is in a big neon-lit city. It could be Tokyo. It could be another Southeast Asian city. Please let me know which city it is. You'd know for sure. Uh, where maybe Kong has the advantage being an ape who can climb things quickly and is agile. And it seems to be a third confrontation in daytime. Uh, we You really can't tell where it's located because there's a lot of smoke and ash. It's mostly in close-ups. But the frame-by-frame analysis reveals at least three Godzilla v. Kong showdowns during the course of this movie. So there could be more, but, you know, uh, my guess is after R3, we get one Godzilla victory, one Kong victory, and one tiebreaker, because that's how these movies work. (laughs) Um, uh, The other big reveal, and the one that um, is not confirmed, is that there there seems to be uh, another creature uh, 
uh, evolve in this fight. We see it very early in the trailer, uh, looming over people as they flee through a city street. And if it looks metallic with glowing red parts and reminds you of Mechagodzilla, you probably are right, because it appears to be something resembling Mechagodzilla, the famous antagonist built by humans to fight Godzilla. And this is confirmed, not confirmed, but seemingly confirmed later in the trailer, where we see a character standing in front of a control panel with a giant readout depicting a robot, robotic-looking monster with the words, Battery Systems Maximum Charge. So it looks like somebody <laughs> has built uh, a weapon uh, of some kind, and um, if you guess that Godzilla and Kong will team up to fight it, I think you've seen a few movies. Uh, Brad and HT, any observations yourselves from these trailers that go beyond the basic reactions? Nope, I, I just, I'm waiting for Mechagodzilla, my boy. <laughs> Wait, so who who's going to build Mechagodzilla? Brad, do you have any ideas, theories? I mean, I would imagine that it's probably just some th- a project that the government creates because, as Kyle Chandler so memorably says, Godzilla is hurting people and we don't know why. Um, <laughs> which seems like a good reason to build a robot Godzilla. <laughs> what if Kyle Chandler pilots robot Godzilla? What if he... <laughs> Wait! Oh my god! Now I, I will I will love this even more if by pilot you mean like sits in the head of Mechagodzilla yes. like a power yes. like a power yes. ranger. <laughs> All the characters in the past movies: uh, John C. Riley, but now even older from from Kong Skull Island. Kyle Chandler, Millie Bobby Brown, Ken Wan. Oh, Ken Wan Bobby died in the last one, so he can't come back. But all the characters all pilot Mechagodzilla like like it's a Power Ranger suit. <laughs> Oh, oh, Chandler sits in the eye and says, "Clear eyes." <laughs> can't uh, he says, "Clear eyes." Then we cut to Billy Bobby Brown in the chest area, which she says, "Full hearts." And they share a look. <laughs> John C. Riley is on standing on the ground with a Cubs head on. He's like, "Oh, what's that? It looks like some kind of Mecha Godzilla there." <laughs> yeah, if there is Mecha Godzilla, I guarantee you. Uh, Brad, Brad, and I talked about this in the Slack, so I'm going to paraphrase what Brad said as well. No one will say Mecha Godzilla in this movie, but somebody will say, "Would you build some kind of Mecha Godzilla?" And that will be the <laughs> one way they wink at it. Okay, I will link to the trailer and to that trailer breakdown, both of which you should check out. Uh, but that does it for today's Slash from Daily. If you can please do me a favor, head on over to our iTunes page, write us like you know sentence or two of why you like the show. Uh, that that will help us out tremendously. Uh, well, I can't talk today. Tremendously. <laughs> we we just hit like the top 100 uh, in iTunes in uh, film and TV. So we're, we're up there with like big like uh, production from like TV networks and stuff. So uh, so that will help uh, more people find the show that hopefully you like and enjoy. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you want to find more of all of our work, slash film.com is the place to go. Uh, you can find, you can send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slash film.com. And please, yeah, I was going to say, please rate and review us on iTunes. But I already said that. So we'll see you on the next. No, that's my other thing. Uh, how do I end this, guys? See you on the next adventure. <laughs> yeah, yes, say okay. goodbye. See you next I, time. Yeah, uh, wait. Do, Jacob, don't you read from? No, that's another thing. Do you want uh, to grab the book? I can, I can happily grab the book if, if it'll help you. If it'll help you end this show. No, no, no. Okay, uh, we'll see you tomorrow, guys. Bye.